All right. Well, let's get started. Um, I I have four stories for you guys right now. Um, I'm trying to figure out where I'm gonna go first, though. I will. I'm gonna go with the Harris, the Kamala Harris and Buttigieg story. Okay, so this is from Fox News, and I, I want you guys to think about, you know, before I go into this, you know, each group, each, each group, each ethnic group, each family, there, you know, each, whatever word you want to use, I'm going to use the word group. Each group has gone through a certain set of circumstances. Each individual goes through. Set of circum- certain circumstances, um, families, ethnicities, uh, social groups, um, you know, different communities. So I just, I just, I just want you to think about that as um, I read this. So presidential hopeful Pete Buttigieg should not have tried to compare minority struggle against racial discrimination to the roadblocks faced by the LGBTQ community. Senator Kamala Harris said on Tuesday. Uh, Harris appeared on MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell Reports and said Buttigieg should have known better than to try and compare the struggles of two historically marginalized groups during Wednesday's Democratic debate in Atlanta. I Actually, I gotta stop real quick on this. Okay, I'm so sick of these Democratic debates. I haven't watched the last one I watched. I, no, I watched the very first one. The very first one I watched, cause it was, cause it was, you know, 20, it was like 20 candidates and they had it over two days. I watched, um, two. I, I watched, I watched those and that was it. I gotta be honest. Who is watching these later ones? Like, I, like, I'm clueless. Like, I, like, I have no idea. Anyway. She also said the South Bend, Indiana mayor should focus more on building a coalition around the advancement of civil rights for all. And this is a quote. Well, I wouldn't say I'm going after him, Buttigieg. She said, for those of us who have been active in the civil rights community for a long time, it's just really well known that we don't compare struggles. It's not productive. Harris said the victimization aspect would work against both groups and distract from the ultimate goal of achieving equality across the board it works against what has always been the strength of the civil rights movement she continued and that is that and that is and that is the coalition building that is the work that we do recognizing the history and the struggle that each has not comparing them but knowing that when we are unified around those things that we share in common we are strong as a movement and that no one should be made to fight alone Buttigieg said during the debate that he doesn't know what it's like to be discriminated against because of skin color, but he claimed he's been made to feel marginalized by other Americans. I do not have the experience of ever being discriminated against because of my, the color of my skin, he said. I do have the experience of sometimes feeling like a stranger in my own country. Okay, so here's the thing. By the way, that's the end of the article. Here's the thing. You know, you have this idea of these people you know everyone every single person has their own story um and you know you can look at you can look at your story from very different points of view um you know every person has been discriminated against for some reason or another like that, like that just happens. Like people naturally discriminate. That's just what we do. Um, there are sometimes, you know, there are sometimes people who they'll see white people and they'll think like, oh, these, you know, these people think this about this and, you know, we're not going to treat, you know, white people correctly or the way they should be treated. Um, you could say that for blacks, Mexicans. You could say that for any, for any group. What I think Kamala Harris is saying here, I think it's interesting about not, um, that we don't, she says that we don't compare struggles. It's not productive. I kind of see what she's saying. 
but I would. Here's the thing: when you can see, here's what here's what it does. When we compare what we have in common, sometimes sometimes you just gotta look and see what you have in common with someone. It takes away hatred. It takes away resentment. And what it does is it helps bring people together. Now, I believe. Now, I would agree with her where it's like, okay, oh, I went through this. Oh, yeah, well, 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 I went through this. Now, that doesn't help. That I agree. But it's like, oh, you know, this was my experience. Like, if you take, if it's like this. If you take 10 strangers and you just sit them in a circle and each person, you know, kind of gives, you know, their own experience, you know, gives like, a five-minute rundown of their life. Those ten strangers will find things that they have in common. You know, they'll be more connected. They'll have more empathy and sympathy for each other. And they'll be like, yeah, man, I went through that too. Or like, wow, like I thought I was the only one who struggled with that. Or, you know, you know, there'll be laughs, tears. It'll be, it'll be a great bonding experience. So I believe, I believe comparing struggles and and successes, um, I should just say, just finding commonalities can be extremely beneficial. Um, but comparing struggles to say, oh, mine was worse, mine was worse here, mine was worse here, that doesn't help anything. I mean, one-upping, here's the thing, one-upping is just not, it doesn't help, it doesn't help anybody. Like it, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't help amongst friends. Um, you know, it just, I mean, in a way it can, you know, for, you know, fun reasons and stuff like that. But overall for coming together, if I go through, if I go through an experience that's extraordinarily negative and then someone else just says, oh yeah, oh, that, that's really what you went through. That's nothing. I went through this. What that does is it, it just creates resentment because it's like, oh, so pretty much what you're what you're saying is that what i experienced doesn't matter because you experienced more or you think you experienced more you think your life is worse you think you know you're better you think all of this stuff so in a way i agree with kamala harris but in a also in a way i disagree i believe there's good and bad comparison it can be productive and it can be unproductive um, between, you know, comparing the struggles of African Americans and LGBTQ people, there are some commonalities, but there are also, you know, major differences. Um, it is what it is. I won't get into all of that. I won't get into all of that because it's not really necessary to do for this episode. But, you know, I just wanted to, you know, just let you guys think about that. You know, just remember, everybody's been through something. Everyone, you, every person you see knows something that you don't. Every person that you see has a story. Every person you see has been through something. Every person has suffered. Every person has had happy times, sad times, funny times, depressing times, confusing times. Everyone has had that. You even look, you know, to rich people, and it's like, okay, well, you know, um, you know, oh, they just, they were just fed with a silver spoon in their mouth, and, or they've lived life with a, with a silver spoon in their mouth, and, you know, they just, they've never had any heart, you know, problems. Listen, the price to being alive is suffering. You will suffer in this life, in one way or another. Now, there may, there's different types of suffering, but you will suffer. You will go through hardship. You will go through trials. You will go through tribulations. Ever since Genesis 3, it's, it's been happening to every, to every single human. That's just, that's just what happens. No one, no one lives a totally carefree life. So, you know, just, just think about that, you know, just know that when you see, when you see someone, it's like, man, they have, they, they have a story to tell. And what I found is sometimes when I find people that are annoying and I find people 
you know, they see differently than me. I just look at them. And sometimes I just have to remind myself, even after the fact, it's just like, you know what? They have that certain belief because they've been through a certain set of circumstances. And they have a certain paradigm. They have this certain mindset. They have this certain story that has made them... People say that you're not your past. Your past is a big part, is a huge part of who you are. We're hopeful for the future. We dream, we hope, uh, we plan, we prepare, we do all these things for the future. The past has happened. Everything that's happened to you in your past has put you right where you are right now in the present. Your past does matter. It absolutely does. But anyway, you know, just remember that when you're talking to people. And just, you know, concerning tomorrow is Thanksgiving. You know, just just think about that. You know, just, you know, be grateful for what, be grateful for what you've been through. You went through hard times, you became stronger. I mean, this semester for me, I mean, it is, I mean, it was just so trying for me. Just, I would say motion, emotionally and mentally. Um, this wasn't my best semester academically at all. I had a lot going on. Um, but it was just, you know, this, this semester just was not good. Overall, I shouldn't, well, I shouldn't say it wasn't, it wasn't good, but it just, it could have been a lot better. Um, I had little sleep overall. Um, my health declined. Um, it picked up a little bit, but you know, it declined. Um, you know, it, it, it just keeps going, man. So, you know, I don't know, just, just remember that and just, just be mindful of that. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. All right, next story. Um, I don't know if I I don't know if I want to do this story about this lady spinning and this and you know yelling racial slurs. I don't know if I want to do that. Should I do it? You know what? I'm. Yeah. No, I yeah I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Okay. Only because, only because I feel like I've been doing stories like that often. And, you know, we have this, you know, we have this paradigm right now where we believe that, you know, we just live in this racist society. We live in this racist, sexist, homophobic, disgusting, oppressive society in America. No, we don't. So, I'm not going to do that story because I don't want to help feed into that that narrative. Remember, you do have some crazy people out there. You do have some people who are just mean and, you know, rude. And they may not be mean and rude. They may not, you know, their character may not be rude and mean and nasty. Remember, sometimes people just have a bad day. People have bad days. See, it's like this. It's like a video clip. You know, I, I've said this before. The problem, the great thing about video evidence is you can actually see what happened. The problem with it is you cannot see what happened before. You cannot see what happened after. So, you know, sometimes people just have bad days. Now, I'm not saying it's an excuse for people who, you know, you know, go off on people and you have rude customers and stuff like that or anything like that. But overall, you know, people, you know, we, 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 we live in a tremendous society and people just have, people are just going about their day. And if they feel that they're being, you know, inconvenienced or slowed down or, you know, being interrupted unnecessarily, they, you know, the worst can come out of people, but they're not, they're not bad people. They're not. It's like this. Take your worst moment and imagine, imagine it was in the news. People would see you as a bad person, but you're not. You're not. You make mistakes. There are things that you will do in your life where it's like, man, 
that really wasn't good. That really looks bad. That's really something that I never, ever, 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 ever want to do again. Also, you know, for, you know, your upsides, you know, take your, take your best moment ever, whatever that is. That is not who you are. You are, you are a, you, you are made up, part of what you're made up of is everything that you've done. It is. I'm not saying that that's all you are, but it's a, it's a huge portion. Anyway, so, you know, I'll, 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 let me say this. I'll summarize this, I'll summarize the story. There was, there was a lady. She was white. Yes, yeah, so it's, you know, that angry white lady. And, you know, I was talking to one of my, to one of my guy friends about this. Um, you know, he was talking about, he was talking about how it's like that you have these crazy white ladies who go, who go off in public. And it's just like they get these nicknames and just stuff like that. And it's, you know, he was kind of saying, you know, he's like, why do, he's like, why do white people believe that they're entitled? And he just kind of, he just kind of asked me that. And I was like, well, I was like, define entitled. And he kind of, it kind of threw him off a little bit. But anyway, I I won't get into that because, you know, that, that's a whole nother episode in itself. You know, I, I, I got to tell you, man, you know, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. One of the things that I'm grateful for are my friends. I have some of the... Man, I, I love my friends, man. You know, I have two... I have two roommates that I recently... You know, they're my friends. They're my... They're my, you know, main core, my main group in my uh, my college, my college experience. Because I have, I have my black friends... Um, which I hang out with and we have class together and we just make the class fun all the time. And then I have my friends that, you know, I met before I, you know, I kind of met before I actually started academics here at Sacramento State. But anyway, one thing that I'm grateful for is my friends. Like I just have some great friends. We have great conversations. Um, if I need something, I know that they'll be there. If they need something, they'll know I'll be there. And it's just, it's just great, man. Like, Seriously, get you some, get you some friends. Like, get you, like, find one to, one, two to three people who you, you know, who are, like, surefire friends. And it's like, and, man, I'm just, I'm, you know what, how, I am, I am meandering here. But you know what, tomorrow's Thanksgiving, this is, this is, this is worth it. You know, don't people take people use the word friends lightly they use that word exceptionally lightly and it's it's not a good thing because a bunch of people will say oh yeah i have lots of friends no you don't you're, you're the number of the number of friends you have is no more than than is no more than the number of fingers you have on one hand if you have if you have five friends, if you think you have five friends, you the number is probably less than that. You probably at the very most, at the very most, you probably you probably have three friends. Because a friend is someone where it's like if an emergency happens, you know that they will be there. A friend is someone that if they were removed from your life, you would miss them and you would, and you would be greatly affected by that. Those are friends. Like those are, those are people who are your friends. Now, now you may have many acquaintances. I have, I have many of those. I have, a, I have a bunch of them, but I have very few friends and so do you. But anyway, you know, I'm just, you know, I know I talked about that whole conversation that I had, but like my friends, I told you that amongst my black friends, I'm the only, uh, I'm the only conservative. I'm the only, the only conservative and the only Republican. 
Um, so they kind of, they kind of make fun of me for being, you know, whitewashed and stuff like that. But, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. I love them. They're great. They taught me so much, um, just from being around them. Um, but it's just, it's just, it's just great, man. Like I just, I see some people and they have friends and it's just like, oh no. Or not, not necessarily friends, but just acquaintances. And it's like, wow, they are rough. So, you know, surround yourself with good people. Alright, so, um, let me summarize, let me summarize what happened. So pretty much there was this woman who was, um, who was checking into a hotel and she wanted, um, she wanted a hotel room key. She wanted, she wanted a room key. And it was just, re- it, it, it was just really bad. And it just, oh God, it's, it's really rough. Um, but this is, this is actually like really old. Like the, I shouldn't say really old, but this happened in 2018, like early 2018. Um, the, what happened was the employee asked for identification before handing over the room key to her. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this woman, you can call her entitled, you can call her whatever. She may have been having a bad day. She may have been, she may have been angry. She may, you know, she pretty much, she called the receptionist who was black. Um, she called her, um, nigger, uh, dirty effing raunchy skank dirty effing hood rat effing ghetto you know other you know other phrases and a bunch of stuff like that it's just it's just crazy man um but it just you know some people some people just have seriously bad days man they have seriously bad days and i'm not making excuses for what this lady did um There's no reason to really use these words at all. Now, I mean, all she did was just, ma'am, I I need to see her, which which is standard, by the way. It's like it's like it's like this: you can't just go up to the desk and ask for a, a you can't just go up and ask for a room key. Because if it worked like that, security at hotels would be horrendous. That's just, that's just natural. Can I see your ID, please? Sure. Show them your ID. They look at you, they look at the card, they look at you, they look at the card, they look at you, they look at the name. They look at the list of names who are, who's able to get one, who's able to get a card for a certain room. And then if you are, if you are on that list, you can get a card. It's that simple. So... It just, you know, that's, that's pretty much what happened. And it was just, you know, it was, you know, just real, it was just really bad. Just, you know, whatever, man, whatever. Just, there, there are some mean people, but, you know, we, we, we still have a great society. Could it be better? Absolutely. But hey, man, I'll, I will certainly take it. Okay, so this story right here. Um, hopefully you're not listening to this on Thanksgiving. Or listening to this segment right here on Thanksgiving. Um, if you're eating, okay, skip this part. Um, it's, it's nasty. And it's this site that I'm looking at. It's, it's just the most bizarre and just kind of the most jaw-dropping thing I've seen in a while. Um, okay, so if if you are eating or or are about to eat or anything like that, um, don't look up this article or anything like that. So um, if you're going to skip, skip right now. Nail salon workers butcher deer meat right in front of customers. And in this picture, you can see, like, like it's... It's a t- it's a typical nail salon. 
but on the ground is you know deer meat on a on like a blue tarp or like you know some a piece of cloth or whatever and there's a woman hunched over with a butcher knife hunched on top of the on top of the meat you know with a butcher knife and she's just cutting away like like it's just an everyday thing um this is from the New, the New York Post.com. They were cutting more than nails at this at this establishment. A woman enjoying a manicure at a North Carolina nail salon witnessed an unusual sight. Workers chopping up deer meat in plain sight. Um Morgan Taylor posted about her bizarre experience on Facebook last Thursday, including a photo of a salon worker at Diamond Nails in High Point, North Carolina kneeling on the floor while cutting hunks of meat. Hunting for a new nail salon in High Point, North Carolina. Talk about multitaskers, manicures, pedicures, and amateur deer butchers. Oh dear. And she <laughs> she spelled deer, D-E-E, D-E-E-R. Um, that's funny. Um, Taylor told WXII TV, she was at the nail salon last Wednesday getting her nails done for her sister's Saturday wedding when the butchering occurred. I was sitting there getting my nails done and looked over and they were pulling out deer meat from a cooler. I get scared and I'm going to going to see trash on the ground or weird smells but not to see a dead deer. Taylor said the workers placed the meat up top of a tarp on the floor and sliced it without gloves. Others in the salon, including customers, seemed unfazed by the sight. All the workers there were really nice to me and they did a good job, but I don't think that they thought anyone would care. And they didn't think it was wrong to cut it up in front of clients in the nail salon, which is surprising. Um, the incident was reported by Taylor to the North Carolina Board of Cosmetic Arts. They're investigating whether the nail salon violated any codes, the report said. The owner of the salon had no comment on the occurrence. A woman inside the salon told WXII TV. And that's the end of the article. You know, I, I gotta say this, man. Some things. I gotta be I gotta be honest. It's almost see, the people who probably weren't phased or just weren't bothered by it, they probably have been there before. And this is probably a natural common thing that happens at this place. Now, I don't know if I don't know if they do this in other in other countries where you can be in a nail salon and someone is just chopping up deer meat right next to you. You know, that's what, you know they have special places for the for activities like this and it's called a slaughterhouse. You know, a, you know butcher shops, you know, you know certain places where you'd be cutting meat. First of all, first of all, nail shops already have that strong smell acetone nail polish you know chemicals all of that it's not a great fun place to be at all and so these people they just they decide you know what for some reason we got to chop up deer meat i don't i don't know if they sell it i don't know if they eat it or or what but hey Let's do our thing here. Just chop it up. I mean, I mean, this picture. Seriously, you know, obviously, I, you know, I told you to skip this part. But if you're if you're still with me, I encourage you to look this up. Nail salon workers butcher deer meat right in front of customers. This is the strange. This is the strangest sight you've ever seen. It's almost like. It's almost like if you saw this at a you know if you did if you looked and looked away. You would think you'd have to do a double take. And you would think that this picture is photoshopped. Now, I mean, this it is just such a bizarre picture. I really, if you're still with me on this, I encourage you to just look at it. Um, but anyway, that's that story. I really don't have anything else to say. I just saw, I saw the headline and I was like, wait, what? Um clicked on it and lo and behold there's this picture man and it's just like okay 
I mean, I guess. All right. Now let's talk about um, living with your parents. So there was. Actually, let me ask you guys this first. You know, I my demographic is it's strange. It's kind of from all ages. Um, I have I have younger. I have those my age. I have those that are older by a little bit. I have those in their forties and fifties, and I have a few in their you know sixty five and up. But let me let me just ask you guys this: At what age do you have to move out of your parents' home and not come back? Like just like just think about an age. Like I like to me. Like right now, I'm 20. Okay, I will be done with school by the time I'm 22, 23. Okay, right? You know, in that age, that age range. Okay, I can I cannot see myself living with. I can't see myself ever moving back in with my parents. After 30. And I mean, that's like the absolute latest. Like, personally, with the with the way things are going in my life, I don't think I will have to move back in with my parents. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, just I mean, how old how how old is too old? Like, at what age would you be embarrassed to tell to tell your to tell people? Oh, I, I still live with, I live with my parents still. Like, what age? Cause here's the thing, I'll say this. There are times where it's like, okay, your parents are there, you know, they, they raise you, you know, their, their job is to get you to 18. Their job, their job is to get you to, you know, be, becoming legal. That is, that's their minimum job. So that is two decades of an investment. It's like, okay, almost two decades of, of an investment. It's like, okay, that's, that's, that's a pretty good amount of time. To me, I just, at some point, it's like, okay, I just, I couldn't move back in with my parents. If, I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know. I remember I was, I was watching, um, or I, I wasn't watching, but I saw a clip from Steve Harvey's show when he, when he had it. Um, which, by the way, I, I, you know, he, I find him too funny. Him on Family Feud. I just, I love him on Family Feud. I, th- I think he's great. Anyway, there was this woman who asked him, you know, she had just moved out to California and pretty much, she said that her life just went down the, t- it was going down the toilet for the past like five years. Like she lost her car, her home, like she lost everything, like she just kept losing everything. And her mother reached out to her and said, listen, you know, just come back home. And pretty much, pretty much Steve was saying, you know, he was like, he was like, go live, you know, go live back with your mother. Don't be embarrassed. Don't feel bad. It's just sometimes we all need it. We all need to reset. And I believe, I believe he's right. But I do believe that there's an age. I believe that there's just, I believe that there's an age where it's just like, no, you, you just, you can't come back. You, you just, you can't come back. Because see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Parents, you know, they want to raise their kids. They want to, you know, hope that they turn out to be a success. Hopefully, you know, they can try to get some of their return, their return on investment, maybe. And, you know, they would like to enjoy each, the couple would like to go back. Mom and dad would like to go back to just being husband and wife and no longer, you know, mom and dad being seen like that. You know, because they have their own personal relationship with each other. And it's, you know, a romantic, you know, sexual relationship. Um, and that's what they want. I mean, you don't, 
you don't want to just be tied to, oh, mom, dad, you know, grandma, grandpa, whatever. That's not what you want. Like you, like me, at the end of the day, I'm Solomon. Like that's me at the end of the day. Like I'll wear, like as I grow up, eventually I'm going to put on the hat of, you know, fiance, husband, then, you know, father and then stuff like that. And then, you know, but at some point, you know, my kids are going to move out. Um, it's going to be back to, you know, me and my wife, but then deep down the guy who's not going anywhere is Solomon. He's not going anywhere, but anyway, let's get into this article. Uh, this is also from Fox news. Um, parents call cops on homeless son 56 after he refuses to leave their retirement village. Guess you can't always go home for the holidays. At least that was the case for a 56-year-old homeless man who went to see his parents' place in Florida, refused to leave, and was eventually arrested for trespassing and carted off by cops. Gerald Clement Reddy's parents called the ambulance on their son after he showed up unannounced twice at their retirement village. Oh boy. Rip, rip. I mean, what a shame. Um... During the first incident, Reddy's parents told him not to return and that if he did, they'd call the police. Reddy, who said he had nowhere else to go, returned and was taken into custody. A quick background check revealed Reddy is on felony probation in Palm Beach County following a conviction earlier this year on his fourth drunk driving arrest. Um, he was booked without bond at the Sumter County T- Detention Center. Um, that's, that's, that's it in the article. That, that, that's all there is. But I mean, I mean, like to, like to you, what, like what age would you be embarrassed to say, yeah, I still live with my parents? Like my sister, my sister is currently 24. She still lives at home with my parents. She works, um, she works two jobs. She has a... She's like a nanny kind. She's kind of like a nanny. And she also works at Staples. So she does that. And, you know, she's, you know, she's on the come up. You know, she's paying back her student loan. She's paying back her student loan debt. Um, by my estimations, I believe, I believe that by the time, a little bit after I graduate, she'll be, out of the house. Like she, like she will have moved out. So I think by the time she's 26, she'll be out. To me, I would say, I would say, if I do go back home and I live with my family, um, I, I think the oldest I would be is 20, 25 and if you know I gotta be honest if I if I did live if I did live with my parents at that age I wouldn't be embarrassed to say that I would just be kind of upset at myself just to just be like man like come on man like you gotta like you like you can do this like you can get out of here you can you know give your parents, you know, the privacy and the, you know, the emptiness that they want. Like, you can give, you can give that to them. And, you know, I can go out and make it on my own. Not like, I can do it. So I wouldn't be ashamed. I wouldn't be embarrassed at the age of 25. Because, you know, people are saying, you know, there's this article from, uh, CNBC. And it's, um, it's a year and a half old, but it's still pretty good. Um, but here we go. In 2017, oh, well, let me give you the title of the article. Uh, Millennials Moving Out of Mom and Dad's Place, study shows. Uh, this is from June 20th, 2018. In 2017, about 31% of young adults were living back home in, in their mom and dad's house, which is, you know, pretty, 
it's about a third. It's about a third. Um, if you are among those parents who plan to let your children, adult children, stay with you, there are ways to help put them on the path to financial independence. Uh, here we go. If you have, if you have an adult child living at home, you could become an empty nester sooner than you thought. The number of 18 to 34 year olds living with parents last year edged down from 2016. Last year, 31.5% of that age cohort were living with mom and dad, uh, well, were living with mom and dad down slightly from more than 32% in 2016. While still higher than the long-term average of under 28%, it's a downward trend the firm expects to continue due to the strength of the job market and overall economy. There are more individuals in that age cohort who are employed. We also should see some wage gains in that range. Both of these things help. Um, to me, I would I would say this. If you are older... Oh man, if you are man 30 30's just you got to get out. Like like you you have to like that is that's the oldest you could possibly be before before you have to be embarrassed. To me, I would be embarrassed before. To me if I'm like if I'm like 27, I'd be embarrassed. I'd be like, oh yeah, so solo, where you, where do you stay? Um, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry. What was the question again? I mean, I, I would I would try to I would try to avoid saying it, and eventually I would say, I'd just be like, yeah, I'm so with my parents, and to me it would just be like, man, I just I just look at it like this. The older, the older I get, the older I get, the less I would, if I'm still living with my parents, the, the older I get, the less I would want to go out. Because I would want to spend more and more time trying to figure out how I'm going to get out of there, out of the house. No one wants, to, I mean, people don't want to live with their parents. Parents don't want to live with their, you know, adult children. Like no one, no one. This is this is just not the best situation at all for anyone. You get your own place so you can do your own thing. That's 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 one of the great things about you know being live and getting older. Where it's like you know, I can in my own place. I can do whatever I want. That's pretty cool. But, you know, we just gotta, I don't, I mean, let me know, I mean, seriously, let me know, like, how old is too old? I, to me, 30, 30 is the absolute latest. I would say 26, 27, you gotta be like, okay, you got, like, I just, I would be embarrassed. Now, I'm gonna flip it. If I was a parent... How old would I let my children be and still let them live with me? Um, I would have to say, here's the thing. Here's what I would look at. I would have to look at data on, on my kids' generation and see, okay, so what? So, how old are they usually by the, before they before they leave the house? That's what I would be looking at because I wouldn't just want to put an I just wouldn't want to put an age on it, which is like oh you know by the, if you're not you know you're gonna be you're not gonna come back after you get this age, and you know I wouldn't I would also want to compare it to like oh I was out of the house at this age. Like let's say I graduate and I never I don't have to move back in. I wouldn't do that to my I wouldn't do that to my children, especially my daughters, saying, oh, okay, you gotta be out. You like you can't live here after age twenty two. Because I because I moved out at age twenty two. That's that's just really dumb. 
I would, I, again, I'm not a parent, and I'm, I'm not trying to criticize your parenting, but I gotta say this. If you are, if you're a parent, and you say, oh, you, if you're talking to your kid, and you're saying, you're saying, oh, you know, I was out of the house by this time. You lived in a different time. You lived in a different world. You lived during an, a different economy. You're comparing apples and oranges. I mean that. I mean it's, it's a stupid argument to make. On the surface, it, on the surface, it's like, oh, you know, I was this age when I moved out. What was the world like when you moved out? It's different. I mean, you just from generation to generation, you can't compare it. So, I mean, to me, like, here's my thing. My goal, my goal is to, my my ideal goal is to be 22 and be independent, like financially independent, where my parents don't have to pay anything for me, like anything at all. That's my goal. Like, I can graduate and I have a place, I have a place to go that's my own. I have a career set up, you know, I'm, I can do my own thing and, you know, I can just start my, start my own life away from my parents. That is my ideal goal. Um, but I mean, you know, and I will say this to those, and I, I found that this is more common amongst girls. Um, that girls, you know, I had a conversation about this like a couple years ago. No, I think it was like a year and a half ago. And I was talking with a few of my girl acquaintances and I was just like, and they were like, well, you know, when do you, like, when do you want to be out of, when do you want to be out of the house of your parents? And I said, well, I said, uh, no, I was like at the latest 24. And some of them, some of them said, really that, like, that's so early. Like they said, you know, I want to be 28, 29, 30. And I'm like, what? And this may just be, this may just be with, you know, the ladies that I talk to. But it seems to me like girls, girls are okay being at home longer than boys are. I don't have any doubt on that, but that's just what I believe. And to me, it's like, I don't know. The, the faster I can be financially independent and the faster I can live by myself, the better. Because here's the thing. People say, you know, you don't know, you know, you never know when you'll be ready. And it's like, that's true. And the truth is, the truth is, you'll never be ready. Like, you won't know, like, until you do something, you, you aren't ready. You can plan, you can prepare, you can be financially independent. There are people who are financially independent and capable of, you know, doing, you know, taking care of themselves financially and all of that, but they have no life skills. Like, they don't know what to do. Like, they don't have the ability to cook, to clean, you know, how to pay a bill. You know, how to open up a bank account. Like, they just don't have certain things. They don't have certain skills and experiences that you need to have. And so that's a huge part. Like, that's one of, that, like, ever since I moved out, not moved out, but ever since I, you know, went away to school and I'm here and doing, doing my thing, it's like, man, I've just learned, I've learned a lot more about life in these in these two and a half years than I did during my first 18 years. Like, there was a lot that I knew, but now there's actually stuff that I have to do. And it's like, it's just very different. And it's like, wow, this is pretty great. And so, parents, you know, I would encourage I would encourage you to have your kids, you know, you know, get them to travel, you know, Get them to get it when they're going out when they're going away to school. You know, don't send them. You know, they don't have to go across the country, but you know, send. You know, have try to encourage them to go to a place where it's far enough 
or, it's, or I should say, or it's close enough to where if an emergency happens, you're nearby, but also far enough to where, you know, day to day, week to week stuff and like month to month, they got They got to take care of themselves and they just they got to do their own thing. So that I mean, that's what because I'm like currently driving wise, I'm five, I'm five to six hours away from home driving. So if my parents, so if an emergency did happen, my parents could get here very quickly. Um, but you know, overall, you know, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much got to do my own thing. I'm on my own, got to balance my own schedule, all of that. Um, but anyway, yeah, you know, try to, you know, learn life skills and you won't really know, you, you won't really know how to do stuff until you actually do it. The first time I ever caught a bus was my was uh my first was my first semester in college. My first time ever catching a bus. First time my first time doing it, I was like I wasn't terrified, I was just nervous. I was nervous. Cause I was like, okay, how am I gonna make sure that it's the right bus? Like I was just overthinking it so much. And when the time came it was like, well, okay, here we go. And so it was, I remember it was just, it was like something out of a movie. Like it was raining, it was cold, it was w- super wet, it was windy. Oh my God. But I, I ended up doing it. And I just got more and more comfortable doing it. And it's just, you know, like, wow. You know, it's it's just really incredible, man. It really is incredible. You know, apartment hunt, apartment hunting, you know, leases. Stuff like that. It's just really amazing to think about. And to, you know, get practice doing. Alright, so that is it. Um, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And I will... You will hear from me tomorrow on Thanksgiving.